Hello, you're listening to Repent and Believe Podcast with Cynthia Smalls, founder of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here, we talk about and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fashioned in God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share, download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, my friend, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Because, folks, if you have called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, you have been cleansed from your past sins. Jesus purchased our freedom from all wickedness. So, let me give y'all this scripture and then we are going to pray. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Amen. And that's Psalms 51 verse 1. So let us pray because we are going to look into what does purify means and I'm going to give y'all some wonderful scriptures on purification because we have to understand that Jesus paid the penalty for the wages of our sin by willingly laying down his life for us. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we are so eternally grateful for your salvation that you have given to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of your son. Jesus laid down his precious life for us. And we who are born again are being continually cleansed through his shed blood. Father, over here, in 2 Corinthians 7, starting at verse 14, you tell us, do not be unequally bound together with unbelievers. Do not make myths 
mismatch alliances with them, inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership can righteousness have with lawlessness? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and Belial, Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So come out from among unbelievers and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will graciously receive you and welcome you with favor. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Amen. And then in verse, no, and then in chapter 7, you say, via Paul, Therefore, therefore, since we have these great and wonderful promises that you just told us, Father, in the preceding verses, since we have these great and wonderful promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, completing holiness, living a consecrated life a life set apart for God's purposes in the fear of God. Amen. Father, it is so wonderful being in this kingdom. We see that we are commanded to live godly and holy lives. Thank you that when we come to you to confess anything that we have stumbled in going against your word, that precious blood is still being made available to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, I ask for wisdom today to be able to teach and share this lesson with the brethren. We have a Savior. He loved us so much that he laid down his life for us. He was crucified. And therefore, we too are crucified with Christ. This life we live now, Father, in this body, we live it by faith. Christ lives on the inside of us. And because since he loved us, He laid down his life for us. He gave up himself for us so that we don't incur your wrath, which, by the way, we have been storing it up with our rebelliousness. 
So, Father, we give you glory. We give you thanks and honor this day. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for sending Jesus. Bless your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. So, we know through the scriptures that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, according to the scriptures, and he was buried. And on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. That's the gospel. That's the true gospel that Paul preached. So if anyone preaches you another gospel, they will be cursed. Jesus' death on the cross was so, was so, Lord help me, what is, what, what are the words I'm looking for? It changed the world. It changed the world. Whereby now sinful man has been given a way to be made right with God. And that is through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. His, his death on a cross was a game changer. And through his shed blood, we can have forgiveness of our sins when we come to him in sincere repentance and confess that we have sinned against God our whole lives, receiving from him the gift of eternal life. Look, let us come over here to John 3.16. Let us, let us read because... Jesus was telling Nicodemus at night that you must be born again. Oh, yes. You must be born from above. Hold on. Let me come over here to John 3, John 3, 16, because this is all about the new birth. Hold on. Let me put on some light here. Now, look, right? Come on down here to... Verse 16, for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge and condemn the world, that is to initiate the final judgment because folks, we know that's coming, right? Revelation 20 tells us about the final judgment at the great white throne where the unsaved dead, those who have rejected God, rejected Jesus, they will stand before Jesus in judgment which is final sentencing because hell itself will be thrown into this lake of fire. We can, we can consider hell as a burning jail because you will stand before Jesus 
to what try to give an account for your life which you cannot you cannot pay the penalty for your own sins your blood has been tainted through adam we inherited that sinful nature from him we needed jesus and his precious blood to set us free from the controlling dominance of sin verse 15 of revelation 20 tells us that whoever name has not been found written in the lamb's book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire which burns with fire and brimstone for all of eternity you will be separated from god over here in this lake and the bible calls that the second death thank you holy spirit because hebrews 9 27 tells us about the first death that we will all experience unless jesus comes back before we die but it tells us it is appointed once for men to die but after this the judgment so over here in john 16 verse 17 how god did not send the son on the first time right because he's coming back but when jesus first came to the world he didn't come to judge and condemn the world yet meaning he didn't come to bring this final judgment yet but that the world might be saved through him whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal savior and lord is not judged for this one for this one there is no judgment no rejection no condemnation but the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal savior and lord well guess what is judged already that one has been convicted and sentenced why because he has not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only begotten son of god the one who is truly unique the only one of his kind the one who alone can save him because folks look there is a huge penalty for not obeying the gospel look second thessalonians 1 8 through 9 tells us in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not god and that obey not the gospel of our lord jesus christ and how do we how do we obey not the gospel by rejecting christ by saying no to god so verse 9 who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the lord and from the glory of his power because beloved 
God tells us over there in Romans 6.23 about the wages of sin. It is death. Yes, a physical death, but primarily spiritual death to be eternally separated from God. Because see, here on the earth in this body suit, when you reject God, God's grace is still here. He is still available. That if you come to your senses as you ought and stop sinning by repenting, by changing the way you think about sin and about God and about Jesus and how he is not playing. God is not playing with us. He is not playing with that lake of fire and he will not tolerate anyone trampling over the blood of his precious son. He ain't doing it, my friend. So if we take that lightly and be indifferent and complacent and downright rebellious, there's a penalty for that. Because see, his grace is so merciful, it is still here. But if you reject him, and when he calls you out of that body suit, God's presence is not in hell. And if you and if you listen to any of these testimonies by these people who whom God has sent to hell and return as a lesson to tell us what hell is like and the main theme that they all have is this hopelessness that God is not there. Nothing good is in hell. They all say this same thing. They all have different accounts. But the main thread of it all is that there is no good in hell. And they all have this common knowledge that they deserve to be there. How they know this they can't tell you, but they know it because now they are in the spiritual realm. Clarification has now come on the scene where before they were deceived to think that they were good enough, righteous, righteous enough in their own depraved mind that they were good enough to go to heaven and, and then... And then they were shell-shocked when they were called out of that bodysuit and lifted their eyes in hell. They all say the same thing. They know there, there is no coming out. There will be no rescue. Jesus is not there. Only thing that is there is fear and hatred. Those demons will tear you apart. Jesus says that you will be turned over to the tormentors. So this is not a game. Because look back to John 3. This is the judgment. That is the cause for indictment. The test by which people are judged. The basis for the sentence. 
John is going to tell us why you are standing before Jesus in judgment. The light, capital L, Jesus, has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? For their deeds were evil. This is why we must be born again. Folks, we are in the last of the last days. We need to we we need Jesus to save us from this judgment to come. Look, so the people they love their sins more. For every wrongdoer, aka sinner man, sinner woman, hates the light. Capital L. The Bible is telling us sinners hate Jesus and does not come to the light, but shrinks from it for fear that his sinful, worthless activities will be exposed and condemned. But, but, verse 21, I love it. But whoever practices truth and does what is right, morally, ethically, and spiritually, comes to the light. Those who do right, they come to Jesus. Amen. So that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are. Accomplished in God divinely, excuse me, prompted, done with God's help in dependence on him. Amen. Glory be to God. So listen, because just as the blood via the red blood cells supplies the body and then carries off the waste, so, so too does the blood of Jesus Christ supply every believer the only source of life. Jesus is our source of life. The only support and sustenance of life and also the one who keeps cleansing us day by day. Amen. Let's take a look at 1 John 1, 7 and 9. Because today it is all about understanding how Christ has purified us, cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Romans chapter 6. I love, love, love that chapter actually the whole book of Romans, but it was in chapter six that the lights came on again for me, that we have been set free from the bondage of sin. No longer is it just a bumper sticker for me. And I pray for you too. We must see it for what it is. We are no, listen, we are no longer slave, excuse me, slaves to sin. Glory be to God. You are no longer a slave to sin, but 
a slave to righteousness, a bond servant to the Lord. We willingly come to him as slaves, wonderful slaves, that we have a wonderful good master. He is the good shepherd and we need his precious blood. That blood is still at work today, folks. As a side note, don't be deceived by these false teachers telling you how you could plead the blood of Jesus all over your money, your house, your kids, your marriage, your jobs, none of that. Folks, this blood is precious. That is a false doctrine. We don't touch that blood with all of this pseudo-authority because the Bible tells us that all authority has been given to Christ Jesus. Those are traditions of men, doctrines of devils. Jesus at no time told us to plead his blood over anything. Absolutely not. Maybe in their depraved, twisted minds, these false teachers pulling from the Old Testament where Moses sprinkled the people with blood when he was instituting the covenant that God gave the people. I don't know where they come up with that we could plead the blood. My hand is raised. I used to do it because that's what I was taught by these wolves in sheep's clothing. No, that is that blood belongs to the Lord. We, we are simply washed in it. We don't take it as if we have authority and just take that precious blood and just sprinkle in it everywhere. Meanwhile, you are still in sin. Because folks, don't be mistaken. Sitting up under these false teachers, they will tickle your ear. They come up with these clever, clever lies. All to depart you from your money. They tell you this nonsense to empower you. So that you can keep on coming to find out week after week how you have such great power and that you are little gods after your father. So you can, you can speak things into existence. You can shake your fists up at God and demand him to keep his word. You can decree. You can declare. You can, you can plead this blood. Well, if that's the case, if we have so much power, then we don't need heaven. We don't need Jesus. We don't need the Father. If we have all this power, they have relegated the Father and His Son to backseat drivers. Thank you, Holy Spirit. To backseat drivers where we are now in the driver's seat and Poor Jesus just sitting in the back waiting for us to command his hand to work in our lives. Folks, do not be deceived by the high sounding nonsense according to Colossians 2.8. So, 
1 John 1, 7, getting back to being purified and cleansed by Jesus. Look, but, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Because in these two verses is what I believe to be absent from most of the lives of the modern day Christian the modern day follower of Jesus. And because of this, we are a sickly and malnourished version version of Christians in need of cleansing and purification, all because we do not confess our sins on a regular basis. Folks, listen, we have to on, on purpose call through our lives daily to make sure that we are in the faith. We have to examine our lives. We see that in the New Testament, Paul tells us to examine where we are in the faith because it's easy to slip back into sin, not by any action, but our thoughts are we thinking wrong? Are we still thinking murderous thoughts? Are we still thinking hateful thoughts? Are we walking in pride? Are we are we thinking that we are better than other believers because we have a podcast, we have a ministry, we have a Bible study? Do we think that we are greater than the least of us? No, we must be humble. So we have to make sure we are still walking humbly before the Lord, loving our brethren and serving others, all the while living a repentive, sensible, clean, holy life. We may miss the mark, but... The goal and the premise of it all is to stay out of willful, blatant, shameful, practicing everyday sin. No longer making excuses for it. No longer rolling in it. Taking God's grace as a license to sin because you refuse to come out from amongst these false teachers. Again, I don't care how sweet and nice. If any of them are putting you back up under any one of the 613 laws of Moses, that person is apostate. And worse yet, some of them are just wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus did not send them at all. And the ones he has sent, they have now become corrupt, corrupt because of filthy lucre. They too got their eyes on mammon, the god of money. And that is why in the opening prayer, 
we are to not be yoked with unbelievers. And folks, there are many men and women standing in the pulpits that are unbelievers. These are hirelings and business people. They, they, they have business models on how to get you to come to these seeker-friendly churches. They have models coming out of these seminary schools also. And not only that, they hire worldly secular uh, consultants to come into the church to teach these leaders how to model after the world's way of retaining customers, marketing, bottom line, profits, as if this is a business. Listen, this is not a business. This is relationship with the father and his son. So folks, listen, where were we? Right. We need to confess any sin that's in our lives daily. If you know that you are still harboring unforgiveness in your heart, go before the Lord and get that out. If you know that you are still envious and jealous and bitter and just hateful and hating one another, having hatred in your heart. If you know you are still living with your lover and y'all are not married, you need to repent and come out of that. Hell is real. That lake of fire, folks, is real. Okay? So, what does this mean? What does this mean if that we are not living fully into what God has planned for us. The blood of Christ is not purifying us because we are not confessing our sins. This hurts us in two ways. Okay. Number one. We cannot receive the nutrients from Christ and process them properly because number two, our consciousness, our mind and body are not cleansed by the regular confession of our sins. Folks, thank you, Holy Spirit. To avoid this, right? Getting ourselves in trouble with the Father, breaking fellowship, breaking covenant with Jesus, we need to just simply stay out of sin. Because if you are walking in unconfessed sin, right? Habitually walking in unconfessed sin and you say you are a follower of Jesus, well, you are a liar. Verse 8 tells us who the liar is. The liar is not the one who is actually living the straight and narrow life. That's not the liar. The liar is the one who say they are in Christ, but yet in practice, practicing sin. Because the false brethren loves to tell you who is actually striving, like Jesus told us, striving to enter the narrow door, that you are a liar because you say you are not a sinner. 
And I say to them again, speak for yourself. Speak for yourself because they want you to join in with them that we are all still sinners. No, we are not. You don't have an understanding how Jesus' blood cleansed you from all unrighteousness. You cannot tell another believer that they are still a sinner if they have been born again. Check your own life. If you believe and confessing that you are a sinner, then you still must be in sin because those of us who have truly, sincerely repented and are born again, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. Well, John tells us we cannot go on sinning. We cannot go on continually to sin. But if you come along and say, well, we are all sinners, because we still live in this body. Come on now, admit it. You know you still sin. No, I am not in practicing sin. And if I miss the mark, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go quickly to the Father and repent. Confess, Father, I missed it. I said this. I did that. I know it was against your word. Forgive me. And he's faithful and just. And he will. But you cannot be a follower of Christ. And be in sin. And don't confess it. You are deceived. And you are a liar. I hate to say it. But that's what the word says. The body of Christ will then grow sickly. From all of this unconfessed sin and malnourished as individual believers grow sickly and more malnourished from this lack of personal confession. Folks, we are to live holy, righteous lives in the Lord. Got a scripture for y'all. My favorite. Titus 2, 11 to 12. If you don't know how to live, that is why we have God's precious word that teaches us how to live. That is why we must be in this word, sitting at the feet of Jesus, allowing our teacher, our paracletus, the Holy Spirit to teach us how to live godly, holy lives. We must know this word before we go into anybody's brick and mortar building, especially if they carry false doctrine. And the first red flag is that false doctrine of tithing. If they say you have to tithe, run. It's one thing if they ask for a donation, Listen, we know it takes money to run ministry, but don't put the people back up under God's curse by intimidating them and indoctrinating them with one of the 613 laws of Moses. Paul was clear. You keep one. You must keep them all in the way that God instituted it for Israel. I know you believe you have to tithe because you too, like I was, was uh, brainwashed 
you was brainwashed by that person who calls himself a pastor told you that God requires you to tithe and then they turn you over to the Old Testament, namely Malachi 3. God was not talking to us in Malachi 3. He was not talking to Israel. He was talking to the corrupt priest. They were the ones who was robbing God of his tithes and offerings. And it wasn't money. It was that they were bringing unslaughtered and um, no, I'm sorry. Un, um, they No, back it up. They were bringing blemished animals who were sick, blind, and lame to be sacrificed on the altar of God in his temple. God was giving them the business over there in Malachi 3. And his loving compassion was showing up when he says, Listen, if you, if you return to me, meaning if you go back to your first love, go back to what you was doing first, obeying him and doing what was right. He said that if you return to me in faithfulness, I will return to you. Not that if we return God the money we have been robbing him of, then he will give it back to us. That's false doctrine. That's twisting of the scriptures. That's taking all of that out of context. And they love to point out where God says, test me in this. Test me and see won't I open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. God was not talking to us again. He was talking to those priests. He told them, test me and see won't I open up the windows of heaven for you and pour you priests out a blessing. That's who God was talking to. So red flag, any church, any pastor ministry, that wants money, and if they say for you to give your tithe, meaning 10% of your income, of your gross income, listen, these people are so arrogant to demand 10% of your gross income, okay? So what if you make $10,000 a month What if or, or a week, right? These people are getting paid. Look at the fruit of their lives. So listen, back to Titus 2, 11 to 12. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Amen. Look, the Amplified says, For the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation, which we know was the Lord Jesus Christ, has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live. See, the Lord is teaching us how we are to live now that we are in Christ. We are to live sensible, upright, and godly lives. Lives with a purpose that reflect 
spiritual maturity. Amen. In this present age. Verse 13. Awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 14. I love it. Who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness. And look, and to purify, see, to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. Amen. Folks, listen. Verse 14 of what we just read about how about how Jesus gave up himself for us to be crucified and that how he purifies us because that's what we're talking about today. How we have been cleansed cleansed from all unrighteousness we have been set free again Romans 6 tells us that sin is no longer your master it doesn't have mastery over you any longer because Christ put an end he abolished listen catch this Christ abolished the power and control that sin had over us our whole entire lives. Sin no longer has a say. Unless you give it a say. And why would you? Thank you Holy Spirit. Why would you? Knowing the consequences of sin. Eternal separation. Listen. Stay focused. Beloved. We must stay Focus and and relish that we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. He sent us help, the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve him by going back to the vomit of sin. Listen, the King James says of Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous for good works. Amen. Hold on. I want to give y'all what does the word purify means, right? Just so we can all be on one accord. Okay, just so we know exactly what that means. Okay, we know it means to clean, to make pure, right? To remove contaminants, to cleanse, right? To filter, to sift, to uh, freshen, to sanitize. Okay, but spiritually... It means to make ceremonial, ceremonially clean. 
to purge, cleanse, clear, free, unburden, deliver, relieve, redeem, exercise, sanctify. Amen. And the opposite of that is corrupt and defile. We are called not to defile this body and stay out of corruption and sin. So this is what Jesus, his precious blood is doing to us. We are being sanctified daily, learning how to cleanse ourselves from all matters of sin, walking the straight and narrow, allowing God to cleanse us, prune, cut away anything that does not please him. We are to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, meaning do whatever it takes because we are dead people walking. Just like Christ picked up his cross to walk to his death, we are on a death walk. Amen. No longer making provisions for this flesh. Because Jesus says that we must pick up our cross, right? Deny ourselves of all of this sensual pleasure, worldly immorality, all that got to be put away before we follow him. That's why he tells us, listen, count the cost. How does a builder build something without counting the cost of what it takes to build that structure? And likewise, listen, this is so not a game, okay? This is a tight walk, but a good walk that leads to eternal life. Folks, you're not going to live forever. One day, we will all stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Let it be before his Bema seat to get our rewards as true, sincere followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when we stand before Jesus, everything we have done while being in this body, living for him, will be tried by the fire. Some of those works we thought we were doing unto the Lord will be burned up. And some will come out as precious stones, gold. Folks, it's a good day in the kingdom. Oh, yes, it is. So now, getting back to what verse 14 of uh, Titus 2 was all about, how Christ Jesus gave himself up for us. So what, what does that mean? Because this verse continues to comment on the work of Jesus Christ, referring to him as the one who sacrificed himself on our behalf. This is a reference to the death of Jesus on the cross, offering his life as a sacrifice for sin. Amen. Jesus was the sin offering that holy God accepted it was it was pleasing to him that Jesus was smitten that he died as 
the sin offering on behalf of God, I mean, on behalf of mankind, and God accepted that as a sweet fragrance aroma. Jesus' sacrificial death placated. It it appeased holy God's righteous wrath. That is why we need Jesus. God has made a way for us to be made right with him. And that is through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice reconciled us back to the Father. His blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat of God. Make an atonement for our sins. Someone had to pay the price. We couldn't. (laughs) Not on any day of the week can any of our quote-unquote righteous acts would have appeased God's wrath. That's why all of those Old Testament sacrificing of animals were only shadow types. It never took away the guilt of sin from our conscience, nor from the law books, if you will, of God. We were still considered guilty as charged. So that was a shadow type. It, it, it temporarily appeased God's wrath. It was pointing to the final lamb, hallelujah, that was to be slain uh, slain for once for all time. After that, there is no more sacrifice for sins left. Christ Jesus was the last one. That's it. So if you are not through him, through his shed blood, how else are you going to get your sins forgiven but through that blood that was shed? Amen. So, We see that his life was a sacrifice for sin. The purpose of his sacrifice was in two parts. According to this verse, the first is to rescue believers from sin or lawlessness. Same thing. Second, the death of Jesus is able to cleanse or purify, meaning to free from sin and its consequences, which we know that lake of fire. Okay, listen, we are cleansed for himself to serve God, not merely for personal fulfillment or improvement. Believers are a, are a people or kingdom for his own possession. As children of God, we are both family and citizens of a new kingdom because we have been freed from sin. That's why. And it's power. That's the part we have to catch. Because if you catch that, this is going to change your whole entire life, how you look at sin. No longer do you say, I just can't help it. I just can't help to keep on smoking these cigarettes. I I just can't help it. Yes, you can. You have been set free. Okay? 
I just can't help sleeping around. I don't know what it is, but I just can't help it. I can't help smoking crack. I don't know. I try, but I just can't. It just keeps calling me, calling me. Then don't answer the door. <laughs> Tell sin, no, bye-bye. Our relationship has now been severed. You don't have a say anymore. Shut up. No, I'm not sleeping with Bob, the married man. No, I'm, I'm going to cover up this body. No, I'm not going back to the clubs. Nope, I'm not taking God's name in vain. No, I'm not going to commit murder. No, I'm not going to commit adultery and fornication. No, I'm not going to be a covetous, greedy, lying person. I'm not doing it. Tell sin, no. We have been divorced. We have been separated by the blood of Jesus. Bye-bye. Deuces, kick rocks. Listen, whatever it takes for you to tell yourself, no, you have been delivered from the clutches, the grip of sin. Satan wants you to believe you don't have a choice. You must continue using drugs. You must continue drinking like a drunkard. You must continue with them cigarettes. You must continue to showcase your body because that's the only way you are going to get attention from the opposite sex. Folks, wake up. Do not be deceived. As children of God, we are both family and citizens of a new kingdom. Why? We have been <clears throat> we have been freed from sin and its power. We now have a zeal, a passion to do good works. And this reflects Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, which speaks of salvation being by grace through faith apart from works. Ephesians 2, 10 also states that we are created by Jesus for good. Amen. Because Titus 2, 11 through 15, the context of that all, of those verses, explains the grace of God as something which encourages believers toward right behavior and right thinking. Because the previous scriptures gave instructions for proper behavior of church members, right? Here, here, God's grace is shown as the foundation on which traits such as self-control, respect, and godliness are built. Paul also commands Titus to teach these ideas boldly and with authority. Amen. And that is why we speak boldly about holy living, righteousness. Folks, the Lord, and this is going to be in closing, the Lord did not leave us clueless. We have the Comforter, our Teacher, the Holy Spirit of God, whom the Father sent to us once Christ ascended back to heaven. 
folks, we have wisdom from above. Let us come over here real quick to James 3. Come on. Let's take a walk through the scriptures. And then after this, I'm going to leave y'all with a few scriptures and the link on verses on purifications. I mean, on purification, it is going to bless you. So now look, right? James chapter 3, starting at verse 13 to 18. And then I'm going to read chapter 4. It says, who among you is wise? Because this is talking about how wisdom comes from above. Godly wisdom. Okay. Who among you is wise and intelligent? Let him by his good conduct show his good deeds with the gentleness and humility of true wisdom. But if you have, now look, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be arrogant and as a result be in defiance of the truth. This superficial wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, secular, natural, unspiritual, even demonic. See, glory be to God. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and morally degrading practice. I love the word of God. It teaches us about everything. Worldly wisdom is demonic. Philosophy is demonic. Psychiatry is demonic. Folks, listen. No true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be sitting on anybody's couch talking about, I just feel this kind of way. We don't seek man for the remedying of our souls, okay? We go straight to the manufacturer, God in heaven, our father. Psychology is of the devil, folks, and I don't care how many people have therapists. We don't need therapists. We don't need a psychiatrist. We don't need anyone tinkering with our soul. Why? We have the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We don't need a psychiatrist. We need to stay out of sin. That's why you're going crazy. That's why you're having all of these nightmares and dreams. This is why your body is sick for the most part. Okay? Because you're doing things that defile the body. Using drugs, alcohol, Sleeping around, catching STDs, all kinds of diseases in your private parts. That's why you're going crazy. God has turned you over to a reprobate mind. Because you wouldn't heed to the calling of repentance. Folks, you don't need a psychiatrist. You need to be born again. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You need to be born again. So look, listen, back to James 3, verse 17, verse 16. 
Let me read it again. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder, unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and morally degrading practice. But, verse 17, the wisdom from above is first pure, morally and spiritually undefiled, then peace-loving, courteous, considerate, gentle, reasonable, and willing to listen, full of compassion and good fruits. It is unwavering without self-righteous hypocrisy and self-serving guile. Amen. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness, which is spiritual maturity, is sown in peace by those who make peace by actively encouraging goodwill between individuals. Amen. Chapter 4 of, John, of, of James. Because he's about to list those things to avoid. Amen. Let me see where we are with the time. Okay. Because y'all know I can get long-winded. I keep telling y'all, this is not me. This is the Holy Spirit wanting to teach God's people. Amen. I'm just a willing vessel because, folks, listen, I'm learning right along with you all. Amen. So look, James chapter 4. I'm going to read the whole chapter. How many verses is over here? Okay. 17. Not so bad. But listen. I've been reading from the Amplified, okay? So look, what leads to the unending quarrels and conflicts among you? Do, do they not come from your hedonistic desires that wage war in your bodily members fighting for control over you? Look, you are jealous and covet what others have and your lust goes unfulfilled. So you murder, you are envious and cannot obtain the object of your envy. So you fight and battle. You do not have because you do not ask it of God. You ask God for something and do not receive it. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives. Amen. Look, there's a note down here. Right. Wrongly. You ask wrongly, mm -hmm. out of selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda. So, so you can ask till you blue in the face. Listen, God knows the heart. Listen, so that when you get what you want, you may spend it on yourself, on your hedonistic desires. And that means self-indulgent. You are, like we all once were, we were self-indulged. Only thinking about ourselves, praying to God for what? A bigger house, more money, a bigger car, that, that wife you've been praying for. All of this is focusing on your needs. Praying to God to grow your business. Praying to God for more followers on social media. Really? Are we doing that now? Instead of praying and, and perhaps fasting, because I, I want to get into fasting myself, to be honest. 
right? But but praying and fasting, carrying on the burden that people are still stuck in their sins on their way to a burning hell. How about how about praying to God to use you in Jesus' harvest? Because Jesus told us that the harvest is plenty. But the laborers are few. Why? Because you're too busy off in your own selfish ambitions. So listen. Number four. I mean verse four. You adulterous. Disloyal. Disloyal sinners. Flirting with the world. And breaking your vow to God. Do you not know that. Listen. Do you not know that being the world's friend. That is loving the things of the world is God's enemy. So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says to no purpose that the human spirit which he has made to dwell in us lusts with envy. But he gives us more and more grace. Folks, of which we don't take a license to sin just because his grace abounds so much. Listen, but he gives us more and more grace to do what? Through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin. That means to resist it. This is, love the word, this is the purpose of God's grace in our lives so that we could defy sin, resist it. It is not to live your best life ever, folks. It is not to become rich. God's grace on your life is is to not give you personal fulfillment, favor. No, selfish person. No, it is so that we can resist sin. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Look at this. God's grace is given to us more and more through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin. And guess what, folks? Live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Amen. Don't that sound like Titus? Look, hold on. I got to go back over here. Hold on. Don't that sound like Titus Titus 2, 11? Talking about God's grace. I love it. Because look, back over here to Titus 2, 11 real quick. For the remarkable undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Look at what grace, the grace of God does for us. It teaches us. It teaches us how to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires. And it also teaches us how to live sensible, upright, and godly lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this evil, wicked age. Amen. So come back over here to James 4, right? So now we see what God's grace is for in our lives. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud 
and haughty, but continually gives the gift of grace to, to the humble who turn away from self-righteousness. Verse 7, so submit to the authority of God, resist the devil. Folks, this is how we also purify ourselves. Yes, the blood of Jesus cleanses us, but we are also commanded to keep ourselves pure just as he is pure. Folks, we have a part in this too. Amen. So listen, I'm not going to have time to give y'all those uh, verses on purification because it's like 18 of them. But what I am going to do is put it in the link below. Folks, I highly encourage you in your downtime, study time with the Lord, go over those scriptures. It will bless you. So coming back over here in the close of James 4, verse 7, this is how we keep ourselves clean. Okay. Submit. Submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil. Look, stand firm against him and he will flee from you. Come close to God. This is how we purify ourselves. It's not making some open show where we stand outside, cover ourselves in ashes or kneel on um, a bed of nails. And like all of this outward display of self-piety folks no no this is how we keep ourselves clean coming close to our heavenly father look come close to god with a contrite heart and he will come close to you look wash your hands see clean yourself Get the blood of sin off your hands. Wash your hands, you sinners. And look, purify your unfaithful hearts. You double-minded people. See, we are to purify ourselves. Listen, this, this is a command. Be miserable. Listen, okay, verse 9. Be miserable and grieve and weep over your sin. This is not, folks, this is not the time to uh, be joyful in your sin. Talking about, yeah, I'm out here selling these drugs. I'm making money. I'm doing me. Stop it. Repent. Look. What it says, be miserable and grieve and weep over your sin. Let your foolish laughter be turned to mourning and, and your reckless joy to, to gloom. We are not to relish and boast about our sin. Are you kidding me? Talking about, yeah, I had, I had 10 lovers in the past month. Really? Well, I had 20. And then y'all both kikiing about how many men y'all got on a string at your beck and call. You get money from Bob. She gets money from Steve. You get money from Larry. She gets money from Tommy. Like, no. Comparing notes, just laughing at. No. Listen. Verse 10. Humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and 
insignificance in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will give you purpose. Glory be to God. Folks, it is much work to do in this harvest. I can assure you, believers do not speak against or slander one another. Amen. He who speaks self-righteously against a brother or judges his brother hypocritically speaks against the law and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and and judge and the one who is able to save and to destroy the one God who has the absolute power of life and death. But who are you to hypocritically or self-righteously pass judgment on your neighbor? Amen. Folks, we need to repent to the Lord. Lord, we repent. If we had ever said anything as a hypocrite against our brethren, we need to get the the plank out of our eyes before we talk about anybody's speck. Amen. Verse 13, come now and pay attention to this. You who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and carry on our business and make a profit. Yet you do not know the least thing about what may happen in your life tomorrow, what is secure in your life. You are merely, listen, you are merely a vapor. James is like, stop saying tomorrow, I'm going to do this. Tomorrow, I'm, I'm going to go and set up this business. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No, it is by the Lord's will that we get up tomorrow. Amen. So he says, what is secure in your life? You are merely a vapor, like a puff of smoke or a wisp, a wisp of steam from a cooking pot that is visible for a little while and then vanishes into thin air. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. Amen. But as it is, you boast vainly in your pretensions and arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Amen. So any person who knows what is right to do, but does not do it to him, it is sin. Amen. Glory be to God. Folks, listen. You are to be patient. Strengthen your hearts. Keep them energized and firmly committed to God. Why? Because the coming of the Lord is near. Amen. Look, I'm reading, I'm reading James 5, 8. Verse 9 says, Do not complain against one another, believers, so that you will not be judged for it. Look, the judge is standing right at the door. Amen. Glory be to God, Father. In the name of Christ Jesus, we bless your holy name. Thank you so much for teaching us how to live. We have been living in the world so long, we 
walk by the rules and dictate of our enemy. We learn quickly how to sin, how to make excuses for it, how to defend it, how to have joy in it. We needed to be saved, Father. Have mercy on us. May we remain humble. May we look to do good works now that we are in Christ. May we be zealous to do good. May we live out the plan, plans, and purposes you have for our lives. We won't be able to hear about those plans and purposes if we continue to stay in willful, rebellious sin against you. Your word is quite clear. You do not answer the prayers of the wicked, especially if they come into you with wrong motives, looking to gain personally not looking to help anybody. Their mentality is, you're on your own. I'm doing me. God forbid if anybody in the body of Christ has that mindset, Father. Set them free. Set them free from selfish ambition. Set them free from from willful sin that they claim they just can't help themselves. Set them free, Father. Set them free. May may the blood of Jesus purify their hearts. Cleanse them from all wickedness. Thank you. Thank you that that blood of Jesus is so powerful that it washes away sin. Father, May we come out from these corrupt churches with all of their doctrines of devils, teaching the people to plead Jesus' blood, teaching them that they have as just as much authority as you, as Jesus, that, that we can command anything into being just because we speak it. How arrogant is that, that man would put themselves on the same very level as holy God. Father, you tell us your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are way higher. Mm, 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 mm. We repent of such arrogance and pride. Have mercy on your people, Father. Have have mercy. Father, we are waiting patiently until the coming of the Lord. Just like a farmer waits expectantly for the precious harvest from the land, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains, well, we too are to be patient, strengthening our hearts keeping them energized and firmly committed to you because the coming of the Lord is near. Bless you, Father. And I pray that today's lesson brought you glory. 
I pray that today's lesson brought encouragement and understanding to your children, Father. Thank you for your grace. It was so blessed that the Holy Spirit gave us clarification about your grace. It is to teach us to reject all ungodliness. Wow. And and to teach us how to live holy. It's by your grace that we have been saved. Now we need to learn how to live right. I love this born again life, Father. I I'm 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 amazed. I'm I'm happy. I'm I'm blessed. And I love nothing more to share my enthusiasm about your love, about what Christ Jesus has done for us to this entire world. And I love fellowship with the brethren. I absolutely love it. Teach us, Lord. We, we who want to learn, we don't have a problem about teaching on holiness and righteousness. Tell us about hell. Tell us about that lake of fire. Tell us about sin and its consequences. Tell us about false teachers and the the danger of following behind uh, false prophets and blind guides. Teach us. Teach us hell, fire, brimstone messages all day. We are here for that. We don't have a problem about being taught on sin and hell and that how if we don't stop it, We ain't going to make it. Teach us so that we can turn around and teach it to our brethren and to the lost. Glory be to your name, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. All right, folks. Well, there we have it. I'm going to put that link of those 18 verses on purification. I just ran I just ran out of time, folks. But this is good homework, right? Right? It's a good homework that we can gleam from one another. So I'm gonna put those scriptures down below. And I pray that you continue to remain humble with an attitude of repentance. Listen, consider yourself insignificant. Because we, in this body, we are all on one level. No one is greater than the other. Some may have more understanding of the word. Some, some may still be confused about some things. Some may be walking in, in error. And those of us who have a greater understanding, we can, we can teach others as well as gleam. Listen, we can glean from the babes, okay? Listen, no one in this body have a title. Listen, our only title is brother and sister. That's it. And we follow one Lord, Christ Jesus, because he's the only one that shed blood for you. He's, He's the only one that his blood can cleanse you, purify you, make you clean, and make you holy. So who are we to claim 
um, some kind of pseudo authority over anyone because we want people to what worship us because we have just a smidgen more understanding of God's word. We better repent. We better repent, folks. Listen, pull it together. Walk humbly. Walk lowly before the Lord. Don't lift your eyes up in haughtiness. Don't don't be so conceited that you think you are better than everyone else and that you have arrived. Because, folks, God will quickly humble the proud. Let's not be mistaken. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. Amen. Amen. And that's 1 Corinthians 15, 33 to 34. Lord, Lord willing, right? Because James said, don't be so proud and arrogant talking about tomorrow, tomorrow. Lord willing. Until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.